Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about the I-95 rebuild, safety concerns on SEPTA, and could Philly finally get the Roosevelt Boulevard subway? It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Denise Clay Murray, CityCast Philly political contributor and co-host of the Philadelphia Hall Monitor. Hey, Denise. Hey, Trinae. How are you? I'm good. It's Friday. <laughs> uh, and Thomas Fitzgerald, transportation reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Tom. Hey, Trinae. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Denise. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Usually I start with an icebreaker, something fun, something light. But I think we all can say that this week has been pretty, pretty heavy. Lots of news. Um, we're going to start with the I-95. That was a shocker this this past week. Sunday, when we were getting the news alerts, Tom, you've been covering the bridge collapse on I-95 and the aftermath. You know, first, I want to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, but uh, pretty, pretty worn out. It's just, I mean, getting busy in the work has helped not, you know, get too freaked out about it. But if you think, if you stop to think about it, we came very close. Uh, It's horrible anyway, but it came very close to being more horrible, if that's a term. Well, I'm so glad that you're here with us and, you know, you're still pushing through. Denise, you're a SEPTA commuter. Mm -hmm. Did you feel the impact of all of this on your commute? Well, um, I come in from Wilmington, and sometimes the train service is not what it needs to be um, on a good day. Now they've added more trains, so that's kind of smoothed things out a little. But my concern is about the long run. Right. Um, how depending on how long um, this chunk of I ninety five takes to repair. Because um, there was a time last week where I was waiting for the 417 train to come into the city from Wilmington, and it didn't get there till 515. So now that we're in a position that you're going to need more trains because there's this entire section of I-95 that we're not going to be able to use, my concern is, is SEPTA going to be able to handle the extra traffic? And I guess we will find that out soon enough. Right. And I, I spoke with Donya Henninger um, at Billy Penn this week. And, you know, SEPTA has been grappling with staffing shortages. So they kind of had to shift some folks to, you know, cover the regional rail lines. Um, and like you said, there's been increased lines. Let's get back to the actual, you know, demolition and construction and the, the rebuild of 95 Tom, where are we? We had Governor Josh Shapiro um, 
He issued the disaster declaration this week and also was really, really at his press conference really was, um, I guess, I don't know how to describe like energetic and was like, you know, crews are going to be there 24 seven. They're going to mm-hmm. live stream this rebuild so that the public can can see it happening. Um, but there's going to be a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, there's uh, going to be a temporary fix. Governor Shapiro. That was quite a performance. Yeah, he like made references to sports teams and Sport. like Philly's grittiness. <laughs> grittiness, and this is ours. Almost like our championship. He said, this is our championship. But Champion- it, yes, he did say that. It, and when you read uh, phrases like that, you might think, oh, come on, that's really corny. But he brought up the mood. He was kind of like a cheerleader, really. Around here, we were saying, wow, he's really amped up. Which was nice. I think that's probably helpful. Um, but yeah, the temper there is a temporary fix that's going to be done. And essentially, what it means is when all the demolition of the stuff that fell and, and was burnt is done, they're going to put down an embankment, essentially, over the area. They'll pave six lanes right on top of it. So they won't have to take time to build those cement buttresses like that hold things up it'll rest on this uh it's construction filler really backfill and it uh it's made out of uh recycled glass you know mostly these things are done with like soil and like uh rock you know small rocks maybe chunks of concrete broken up all together in a pile but this okay. stuff this this glass it's called foamed glass of all things well, is uh, found to be very strong, and it's lightweight, so you can haul it real quickly. And also, um, one thing that came out that's pretty interesting is that um, there's like uh, old sewers, like old sewers all over Philadelphia, and old water mains, as we all know, like you know, they break, and these things are kind of fragile, so. They calculated that the, using this lighter material would help the the sewer system by not like something heavier would like push down on these vulnerable pipes, basically. And this will, mm-hmm. you know, it'll move and cushion the traffic. Sorry, that might be too much information. Please. I, I it's can, okay. <laughs> but basically, it's it's going to be a temporary fix. It'll be temporary. You know, you'll be able to get by, right? You'll be able to get by. You won't be able to exit right. on the Topman Avenue for an undetermined period of time. But you'll be able to, people right. will be able to go north and south uh, without the 95 detours. Right. And, you know, this week has been pretty complicated. Um in terms of just the traffic through that area and throughout the neighborhoods. Again, we we spoke with uh, Billy Penn this week and, and they said restaurant owners, people are getting denied to come in because it's just so much traffic. So hopefully this, this temporary fix will be good to keep the flow of traffic. And speaking of flow of traffic in the Northeast, Denise, I want to bring you into the conversation too. If you if you're new to Philly, welcome to Philly. <laughs> but we have been talking about an extension to connect North Philly and the Northeast for years, right? And mm-hmm. that would be through this the creation of this 
Roosevelt Boulevard subway. And that was a a lot. People were talking about that a lot this week um, because of the increased traffic. Denise, city council plans on having hearings on the creation of this. This is huge, right? It it is because folks have been, as as you mentioned, folks have been talking about this for years. But SEPTA itself has said that there's not enough money or space that they can use to do this subway, to do the um, Northeast subway. I don't think that we'd be talking about it if it weren't for this big chunk of I-95 that is going to be unusable for a while. But what's going to be interesting to see is if council is willing to put money into that, despite the fact that SEPTA is saying we don't necessarily want to do it. Personally, I hate driving on the Roosevelt Boulevard. I can think of nothing more more unpleasant than maybe either driving through New York City or driving <laughs> on the Autobahn in Germany <laughs> in terms of an experience where I really just don't want to be in the car and on this roadway. Yeah, it's it's, it's really rough. <laughs> yes, it, it's. Yeah. I hate driving to Roosevelt, Roosevelt Boulevard. I so lived in New York City. It's better. Sorry, Denise. Go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it, 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 in any case, I'm like, if I could get on mass transit and do have this experience, I would be very happy because I wouldn't have to fight some of the crazies that you have to fight on the boulevard. But SEPTA is ultimately going to be the the group of people that are going to have to do this. And if they don't buy in, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what city council does to get them to buy in because you can't necessarily force another municipal authority to do something it doesn't want to do. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact there's going to be hearings and I'm going to be sitting in on every one of those hearings, just hearing what, citizens and SEPTA and city council have to say about this, but I I don't know if it'll happen even with those hearings because it's something SEPTA doesn't want to do. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Speaking of SEPTA even more, Tom, you and your team did a deep dive in the tra- how the transit agency is really grappling with safety concerns as well. We saw that in May, two teenagers were actually killed while on SEPTA. But, but your reporting says that even though that that happened, that's not the common crimes that actually happen on SEPTA. There's something called antisocial behaviors that SEPTA is struggling to manage. Tom, can you tell us more about your story? Um, yes, that, that, Trine, that's right. Like, you know, it's the uh, smaller crimes that your average SEPTA rider is, is encountering that um, drives them away or leads them not to use 
the train as much. Especially this is especially on the trains, but it's there's been increasingly antisocial behavior on buses too. Yeah, and that's considered like smoking, turnstile mm-hmm. jumping, uh, you know, going to the bathroom in public, uh, yeah. and other mm-hmm. like you know loud music things like that. Right, things that maybe in the past uh, people just didn't really act out that way as much toward each other. And like, you know, maybe elders would say like, hey, knock it off, kid, or whatever. But no one, you know, now it's kind of, after the pandemic, especially, that kind of thing's increased. And yeah, and people really don't, they're made very uncomfortable by people without without homes uh, who shelter in the system, which is a very rational thing to do because it's comfortable, it's warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And the trains, they don't like people sleeping there, and and then there are there is drug use that is pretty pretty easy to see, and and the dilemma is that like all of the problems of society are bleeding into our transit public transit system, but you know they're not equipped to deal with it. I mean, frankly, ask any Philadelphian; they can barely run the services on time, and and that's their job. But yet they can't ignore this and, and, and they've been trying to figure out how to help the people and also how to like kind of restore some sense that, hey, you know, someone's in charge here, that it's not the Wild West and, and you can feel comfortable riding it. And the issue is federal pan- pandemic aid that went to transit agencies all over the country runs out. Next spring is the projection. And so... SEPTA and other agencies really need to get a, get a grip on this and get some riders back to make money on, you know, make money on their fares. SEPTA is relying on fares more than most travel agencies, travel agencies, tra- transit agencies around the country that SEPTA, like, for instance, got 37% of its income from what gets paid to ride. And most places, it's quite a bit less than that. And I just want to remind our listeners that they can follow along and read more about all of the stories that we're talking about today by checking out our show notes. Denise, another story that caught your eye this week involved a former Starbucks manager who just won a lot of money in a in, in a case. Um, this involved that incident that happened at a Philadelphia Starbucks back in 2018. Um, Denise, catch us up on on this story. Okay. Well, a New Jersey court decided that a former regional manager for Starbucks should win $25.6 million in a suit that was filed um, against the company because she says that they fired her because she was white. She says that she and other white employees were punished after the high profile arrest of the two black men in the Rittenhouse Square Starbucks back in 2018. And the, a court, a jury in New Jersey found that race had played a part in her firing And and that violates discrimination laws. Mm -hmm. She had objected to the manager that was directly involved in this case being placed on leave 
among, you know, because of the incident. And she made that objection known, said she didn't want to do it, and she got fired for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, I understand to an extent that you shouldn't fire people because you don't agree about how they've handled something racially, but I'm not 100% sure you should necessarily get paid $25.6 million you know, for this. I've lost my capacity to be surprised when stuff like this happens. And Denise Starbucks actually denied in the court filings, and this is this this reporting came from the New York Times, that um, the manager actually had been fired not because of of her race, but because of her poor response in handling the arrests that were made um, of of those two black men back in back in 2018. And that also, you know, I want to catch folks up too. This was the time when Starbucks closed, temporarily closed stores mm-hmm. to have a racial bias training for employees, um, if we remember that. And that was all stemming from this particular story. Wow. So if you want to click on that link, check out our show notes. But before we leave and enjoy our weekends and get some rest after this week, I want to end with some good news. Philly pools are open, right, Denise? Yes. And at a time when our young people are being told they can't go to the mall after two o'clock without supervision, or they can't go to the beach after a certain time without supervision, there are pools open and now you can go at least go swimming. Now, not all of the pools are open because the city is still having issues finding lifeguards. Right. So if you want to be a lifeguard or be trained to be a lifeguard, which the city is doing, um, you can go to philadelphia.gov, to the Recreation Department website, and, and find out more about how you become a lifeguard. So it's good that the pools are open because it gives our kids something else to do and a chance to, you know, go out and, and splash in some water. But I'm hoping that this doesn't end up being a place where you need parental supervision too, because somebody messes it up for everybody else. So you know, those antisocial behaviors that um, Tom was referencing on SEPTA, let's not do them at the pool. For sure. That was Denise Clay Murray, CityCast Philly political contributor and co-host of the Philadelphia Hall Monitor, and Tom Fitzgerald, transportation reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you both so much for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Trinae. It was always fun talking to you and nice to meet you over uh, audio, Denise. Same here. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Now, speaking of summer, Philly's Park and Rec is hosting more than 100 neighborhood day camps around the city. There's camps for children between 6 and 12 years old. There's theme camps for teens and older adults. There's camps for people with intellectual and physical disabilities. And there's also an overnight camp experience in partnership with the YMCA. Go to philla.gov for more info. 
If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for this week here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz, Elizabeth Kama, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Chernay Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos, James Weldon, and Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe. Happy Father's Day to all the dads listening and enjoy Juneteenth, y'all. Bye.